Hi guys, this is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place where you can be taught the truth and encouraged in your relationship with Him. If you find this podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. You'll find a few different kinds of material on the podcast. Most episodes will be teachings that have been recorded in many different settings, including discipleship classes, missionary training schools, Bible schools, and church conferences. You'll also find episodes where Stephanie and I talk about practical life topics and invite you to listen to our own process and perspectives on how we experience Jesus on a daily basis in every area of our lives. We also have some episodes that include interviews with special guests who will share from their own experiences with the Lord. Altogether, we believe this podcast will be a source of blessing and encouragement and that you will be strengthened in your own relationship with Jesus. I want to share some thoughts. Um, I really want to, the main thing I want to do is just encourage us in our journey. Uh, I want to read some scripture. I want, to, I want us to get washed in the word. That was one thing the Lord just put on my heart for us just to, to get, to just, yeah, be washed by his word. So I see a couple Bibles. I just want to set context and maybe read a couple passages of Scripture. We've got some Bible readers here. Jordan, would you read a passage? Yes. Great. Uh, Ephesians 1. I'll give you this verses. I'll, we'll come back to you. Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. 15 through 21. And then, um, Dane, you want to read? Sure. Ephesians 3, most of us in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. These are good, what, what I call apostolic prayers. It's, it's Paul the Apostle praying, and I like, always, always go to these. It's like, if you want to pray something really good and put yourself, you know, practice some, some uh, scripture prayers, these are great prayers to repeat and pray into. And then, anybody else want to read, JP? Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And then I'll read the last couple out of Colossians. Okay, so let's just listen, and I'll, I'll, I'll obviously highlight and bring it together in, in light of what I want to share. So Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. Church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. That's good. Okay, so just before we get to that next one, this, the main thing I want to point out, just to kind of put a pin in, is those verses around 18, 19, what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of the power toward us who believe. So his inheritance in the saints, all right? And now Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, uh, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that in Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Mm. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Good. So key thoughts in this one, that 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And in the last verse 19, that you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Okay, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Mm. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Okay, so highlight verse 13 till we attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, right here, to the measure of the stature, my Bible says, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Okay, now I'm just going to read a couple in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it was the good Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, to dwell in Christ. And then Colossians 2, 9 and 10, this is the last one's, Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. Sit on that for a minute. In him you have been made complete. Literally, it's the same word of, as fullness. In him you've been made complete. Similar word. Okay? So... When Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about coming to a mature man, it's this, it's this word in Colossians 2. It's, the, it's that you be mature, that you be full. So I want to talk this morning just quickly about living from a place of fullness into maturity. Because the Lord, see the Lord, I believe the Lord's inheritance. Remember that first verse that I read, the Lord, His inheritance in the saints 
What is the Lord? I mean, think about inheritance as something you get, right? You wait till your parents die and you get something. I mean, does Jesus have an inheritance? I mean, like, he owns it all, right? I thought, I thought we're the ones that get to inherit a bunch of stuff from him. We are joint heirs with him, right? Paul tells us that. But he has an inheritance. Jesus has something that he's going to gain. What is that inheritance? And this is what I want to submit to you this morning. I believe that his inheritance in us is our maturity. It's our growing up. Now, he's not dissatisfied with us if we're not growing up. You understand? He's not like, oh, well, you're, you're not worth inheriting. But his, his view is to bring many sons to glory. <laughs> that, that's like when we start the journey, when he lays hold of us, he says, okay, here we go. I'll save you. Yeah, that's, I mean, I was, when I was walking this morning, I took my run walk. That's awesome. It's totally awesome. <laughs> that's a private thing, but yeah. So, but I was thinking this thought, you know, it's one thing to bring a lost person to Christ. That's a glorious work. That's evangelism. That's close to my heart. It always has been. I love sharing my faith. But you know, it's, and I don't, I don't mean this in a, don't take it the wrong way. But I feel like, this is what I feel like the Lord told me when I was walking this morning. It's easier to bring somebody to the Lord than it is to grow somebody up in the Lord. <laughs> I mean, you just share your, the power of the gospel and the salvation, right? Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power. You share the gospel, the Holy Spirit can just quicken people and say, I repent, I receive, and you got them saved. You know, the Lord saved them. You didn't get them saved, but the Lord. But now, the rest of the story, you know, coming. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We won't elaborate on that. <laughs> but yeah, you're exactly right. Getting the job done is easy, but then growing them, you know. And so this, this thing of coming into maturity is very near and dear to my heart. And here's the, here's the point that I'm going to make, and then I want to just unfold for us this morning. Maybe we can talk around this as a talking point, is how do we mature? We mature... From his fullness. His fullness in us brings us to maturity. Okay, now I'm going to unpack that. So, like, this is the way I see it. Like, stages of maturity, maybe look at it that way. And it, this doesn't play out perfectly as a, nothing's airtight, right? Nothing's a formula. But here's what I've seen, like, in my own life and my own lives of other people I walk with. When you first become a believer and you get fired up about Jesus, what happens initially is you realize what God's done for you. You're like, praise the Lord, I'm saved. But now it's all about what I can get from God. And that's not a bad place to be. It's like you're discovering this relationship and you're like, wow, God, I've got a father. He answers prayer. We get fired up about faith. You know, I can lay hold of things and believe God for things. And it's a lot about what I can get from God. I want God to now work in my relationships and my situations and you know, unfortunately, a lot of Christianity stops there because we think it's all about what God's going to give to us. And it becomes a gimme, gimme, gimme. But that's a very immature place to live. Let's just call it what it is. It's, it's part of our life. Even as a mature believer, there's a part of that. But when that's the whole, that's a problem. Okay? But then we move to another place and we say, what can I do for God? How can I serve God? You know, that's where I was when I was a lot of y'all's age. You know, I gave my life to the Lord. So I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to do whatever. I lay it all down. And that's a great place. You know, we say, I'm going to serve the Lord in the season of our lives. We say, I want, to, I want to start having some meetings in my home. I want to go do this. I want to be available for God. I want to, God to use me in the workplace. And that's a great place to be. 
but it's only a part. But I believe the final place where God wants to take us is we say, what can I be for God? Can I be a mature son for his glory? Can I, can I grow up to a place where he has an inheritance in me? That he, that he looks at my life and he goes, I love what you're becoming. I love who you're becoming. I love the fact that you're, you, and I'll we'll talk more about this in a minute, your motives, your attitudes, your words, your actions, they're changing. They're pleasing me. Not, not so that we can serve him, not so that we can get anything from him, but just like we're living in our design to be his sons and daughters, mature. You know, I, I had a picture of this. I was meditating on this years ago, and I just had this picture. I, I'm a picture person. I love pictures, and normally when I teach, I love having a board where I can draw crazy stuff. I'm not an artist, but I get all over the board, and I just draw. And I had this picture. I saw this incredibly huge, massive statue kind of thing in my mind's eye. And I was like, okay, Lord, that's cool. What is that? And the Lord said, well, that's me. That's like, and so it was a man. It was like, I just, I can't, I can see it right now in my mind. It was just like this bigger than Statue of Liberty type of thing, this massive thing. And, I, and the Lord says, that's me. I said, okay, that's cool. He said, that's my stature. That's like Jesus is big. His the measure of his stature is so big in character, in, in his heart, in, in who he is as Jesus. And then I saw inside of that little man, this little stick man, like about this big, compared, imagine Statue of Liberty compared to this, like, and I thought, what is that little speck? And Jesus says, that's you. You're in me. We're in Christ. He said, but you're, you're little. And I said, okay, praise the Lord for that. At least I'm in there, you know. I'm feeling up a little spot in the Lord, in his body. And then, as I kept looking, the little stick man went, bloop. I thought, what's that? And he said, you've, you've grown. That's your maturity process. And then, then I thought, okay, that's cool. And then the little stick man, the, the stature stayed the same, didn't change. The stick man got bigger and bigger, and bigger, and bigger. And it never filled up the fullness, like where my life was the perfect outline of the statue. But that's where the Lord's taking us. Because he says, until we grow up unto the full measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he's moving us in our development into the measure of him. So that we talk like him, we walk like him, we think like him, we act like him, we feel like him, we have the same values, we, 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 are, we are in Christ, Christ is in us, and there's no, there's no lack. This is why Paul says in Colossians 1.28, I teach, I admonish, I rebuke, I preach to all men so that I might by all means bring some complete in Christ. Now, none of us are standing in that place today. On this side of heaven, we won't. But we're on that journey. That's what God is doing. So we're practically moving into this stature. So here's, here's a couple thoughts. And I'm not saying anybody in this room has done this, 
but I know that I have, and maybe in your journey, maybe some of this is new, but I think if we, if, if God can, the spirit can shift our perspective, things will begin to look different in our process. But the main reason why a lot of believers don't focus on their own personal process is because it, it's, it, it exposes areas in our lives that were not like him. See, to become like him, you have to be aware that you're not like him. And nobody likes that. So that, that's, a, that's a huge part of my testimony. Um, and I'll share that in just a minute. But becoming more mature is always a process of internal transformation more than it is of external performance. So my experience has been that a lot, not everywhere, not trying to be critical, but if I can just give an up, uh, not objective, a subjective observation is that a lot of the church just focuses on external performance. Just do the right thing. You know, serve the Lord, live for God, love your wife, love your children, do right in the workplace and all that. And that, that that's all good. That will be the end game, but we go about it backwards. So it's not about acting like Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. See, when you're like Jesus, you don't have to act anymore. And so the whole point of the gospel is that we share in his divine life. And there's a huge difference between trying harder and trusting more. So God wants to move us into the domain of trusting more, not trying harder. Because trying harder only leads to two, I've seen it over and over, it leads to only two destinations. One, spiritual pride, or two, absolute discouragement and frustration. And the want to quit. Because you can't measure up. You never get it right enough. And depending on what your general disposition is, so mine's hard worker, type A, get it done, I'll get good at it, and then I'll have pride, and I'll look with disdain on you, because why can't you get your act together? I mean, really? And then if you're the other disposition, like, name any names, maybe somebody else, I mean, I know my children well enough to know that some of them are in this domain, you just live in condemnation and guilt, because you're not strong, you can't get it right, and so, you know, who am I? I'll never do it. But see, the Lord wants to shift that whole thing and help us understand that it's about surrendering to the fullness that's already in us. Because the fullness of Christ brings about expression. It brings about maturity. And it's counterintuitive. Okay? Let me give an example. So we were living on a farm in Buta, South Africa, for eight years and soon after moving to the farm, we bought this car. It was like 2004. We moved there in 2004. We lived there until 2012. We moved there in to the farm? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to the farm. We lived in town one year. Then we moved to the farm. So soon after moving to the farm, we needed another vehicle. We had a, we had a combi. We had one of these Volkswagen combis with the you know, sliding door on the side, you know, the old box Volkswagen. So we had one of those, a hippie van. Yeah. And so... So I, we needed an extra car. So I found a good deal. I think it was about $2,000. It was like a 22-year-old BMW 500 series, old 550. You know, it was old, dude. I mean, but it was, it was cool. I was like, and it was like an idol to me, basically. I was like, I have a BMW, you know. <laughs> but it was, it was a great car, and it was pretty beat up. So I, I paid to have it repainted, which was vain. And I was like, 
missionary, why repaint your car? But it, it was dinged up, you know. But I, re- I had a friend of mine uh, in the community. I didn't send it to a body shop. He was just a backyard sprayer, you know. So he sprayed my BMW. So I was, I was excited. So when we pulled out of our driveway on our farm, we had a little dirt road, and it went right out of our driveway. And it took a, a right-hand turn, went right down a fence line for about 200 meters, and then it went down to the main road. And along that fence line on the right-hand side, when you drove about from here to Dane, was a barbed wire fence. They just ran and kept the sheep out, you know. And so I was leaving one day, it's the week after I got the car painted. And so I'm cruising down go, to go into town. And I'm just cruising, you know, going through the dirt road. And I look and I turn the corner right out of the, coming out of the corner. I just happened to look at my rearview mirror. Well, this little squirt was in 2004. Like six. Yeah, she was like six. She's like Pepe's age. She's like running after me behind the car. I'm only going about... I don't know, six, seven miles an hour, but she's like, and she's like right on the back of the boot of the, we call it the boot, the trunk, and she's like beating on the trunk, daddy, daddy, you know, and I like freak out. I was just like, whoa, I look in the review mirror, I say, what is this child doing? And I get distracted, and I just go right into the barbed wire fence. Scrapes the whole side of the car. (laughs) And I slam on the brakes, and I just, I lose it. Like, I totally lost it. And I don't even know what I, I don't even want to, don't even want to fill in the blanks in that. But let's just say I was not in the spirit. I was not living out of fullness. I was not unto full stature. I screamed at her. I probably, probably whipped her. I, I, I just, I was out of, I was way off the mark. And it just, it became, it came very naturally. It was no problem to act that way. Don't disappoint your idea of me as a man, as a missionary, as a godly person. But that was not where I was. Fast forward, about 10 years later, we're living in town. And I can't fill into all the blanks of those 10 years. But during that time, I had a very significant encounter with the Lord. Now, those of you that do know us well, you know that our marriage struggled for many years. And the Lord met me at a critical stage. And... He said these words to me at that point. He said, the problem, Cliff, in your marriage primarily, not it's always two people, but the problem is you're not like me. I thought, wow, that's pretty profound. He said, if you were like me, then a lot of this would all dissipate. So I started working on this process that I'm explaining to you this morning about living out of fullness into maturity. Now, so I, I was doing that for about six years. Fast forward, Camille's learning to drive. My oldest daughter's learning to drive. And we live in town. We have a single, single driveway, you know, a bit, for me, big enough for a car. <laughs> but in South Africa, you have gates and, and uh, pillars and fences around your garden, at your yard. The front part, you know, mostly in America, you don't have the front, you have the back. But in the, for security in South Africa, you had it all. So we, and we, on each side of the driveway, we had two concrete pillars, you know, about two by two, and a nice drive gate, electric gate, you know, and you back out. That's not a problem. I've never hit one of those pillars, personally. (laughs) So Camille's backing my truck out of the driveway, and we're sitting like this at the dining room table. It's casual Saturday morning, something going on, I don't remember. And you just hear it. (laughs) You know, like, because in South Africa, you live mostly with the doors and windows open. It's open culture. And it's a nice day, and I'm thinking, oh, praise the Lord. So Natalie goes running in to the house. Daddy, 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 Camille hit the pillar, you know. 
And so Camille, at that point, is frozen Weeping. in the driver's seat of the car with the, you know, the truck lodged against the concrete wall. <laughs> and she's just weeping. And it's not the driver's side. She's hit, the, obviously, the one she can't judge, the passenger side, which is how this side in South Africa. So I walk out of the house, and I just walk up to the car, and I open the door, and I take my daughter, and I just hold her. And I just, I just minister life to her. And say, hey, sweetie, it's okay. You know, it's no big deal. It's just a truck, just a wall. All that can be fixed. How do you, what's going on? What are you feeling? And we just ministered life to her. We went back into the house. I think I just left the truck there. Made sure she was okay. That evening, we had some people over to dinner. I want to get the story right. And this is not about me, okay? This is about the Lord and what the Lord can do in our hearts. And we're around dinner, and like a lot of times with people, we start talking about the Lord and we turn to what we're thankful for. It's a table routine, you know, JP and Jen have hooked on, not because of us, but they also do it. And we went around, and our friends were there, and Natalie said, I, I just want to say what I'm thankful for. She said, I'm thankful that Daddy's a different man, that the Lord's changed him. That's what it's about. That's, right. that's maturity. That, that's transformation of the fullness from the inside out that causes different responses, different interactions, different... Everything. Now, is it is it fail proof 100%? I mean, I'm, if you know me, I'm always <laughs> I'm always very realistic in this process. But you see victories, you see changes, you see progress, and so in the process, I said earlier, it's counterintuitive. Here's the process: the process is of growing and maturity from fullness is you start with truth, you meet truth with belief. We call it faith, which then in turn brings transformation, which then manifests in different action. That's the right order. Problem is we get the order backwards a lot of times. Our discipleship models get the order wrong. We tell people, okay, great, you're a Christian, now start doing this. What are your chances of getting a person that has never known the Lord and never has any access to the fullness because the, the only good thing in us is Christ. He's the only hope of glory. What's the chances of getting a person to perform right? Well, if you've ever discipled people, it's pretty slim. It's kind of like teaching a pig to talk, right? It just frustrates you and the pig. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So, you know, we, oftentimes we just focus on the wrong thing because people have to understand what the Lord has provided for them first and then live from that place. Like I said, it's counterintuitive. And so the way we do it is we start looking. You know, we start gazing. We start beholding the Lord. It's my, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 3. He says, so we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image. Something as simple as looking at the Lord causes us to be transformed. You know, the, you know the, right, the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. That's where a lot of Christians live. Why? Because we don't, we're, we're not getting the right perspective. We're not, we're not, we're not really focusing on the, on the maturity process in a biblical way. 
And that's my passion. So here's the thing. God will never demand anything of you in your transformative process that he hasn't already provided for in Christ. There's, he, he's done it. He knows where, where he wants to take you from here to here. And then he's already given you everything you need. So like what a deal we have. It's not up to us. We just rest. Okay, we just dwell in that place. So it's God who's at work in us. Okay, I'm just real quick, practical process. So, you know, the, it preaches great. It's, the truth is there. And I could go in deeper and deeper and talk about Paul's teaching on the Christian life because I'm thoroughly convinced in this process. I was talking to JP about it last night. You know, I believe with all my heart that if we will engage the Lord by faith and gaze into him and into areas of our lives and say, Lord Jesus, you do it in me. He will do it. It's 100% fail-proof. Not like a formula. It's a relational process. And as intentional as you and I are into that process, the Lord will deliver. Absolutely. Will He do it next week? I don't know. Will it happen next month? I don't know. But transformation will happen. And it, it will manifest. So how does it, what does it look like? Okay? Just three thoughts with a lot of subpoints, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just going to read them. Understanding, believing, and receiving what Jesus has done. That's big. Understanding it, receiving it, and believing it. What Jesus has done. Jesus has done a lot more than forgiving our sins, folks. The work of the cross opened up a, a world of opportunity for us. Forgiveness is the doorway. Literally. And I'm not, I'm not bemeaning forgiveness. I'm talking about, I was an unbeliever. I joked about it this morning. You know, we, I lived de a degraded life, literally. And when the Lord found me, he forgave me. And man, it was phenomenal. But that was the doorway. Redemption is the doorway into relationship with God. And then he provides everything we need for life and godliness. He, he, there's, no, there's no lack God is abundant. There's no, I mean, he just gives it all. So yes, there's total forgiveness, but there's also participation in his death and his burial and his resurrection. There's a new man to be put on. There's a believing and knowing that we're, we're God's children, we're sons and daughters, and it just goes on and on and on. Like this whole identity package just explodes on us. And there's so much there to believe and to receive. And I, I teach, he mentioned a lot of it. I teach a lot. I love teaching in more very informal settings, school type of settings. I love preaching in front of people, but preaching somehow loses the dynamic for me. I love doing this. I love being in classroom settings where we can really dig. And I, I, I've, I've taught things and I've encountered people and I've just looked at them in the eyes and, and seen the Holy Spirit deposit a truth inside them and seen their spirit take a hold of it and go yes to that. And I've seen what it does to their lives. It changes them. And that's so powerful. So believing and receiving is so powerful in the process. So I don't know what that looks like in your life. I know for me, it was like in early on in the process of mature, even as a young believer, so many strongholds and things in my life, sin patterns. The, it, it ate my lunch for a long time as a believer, a young believer, until I finally started clicking into some of this process and I started laying hold of it and started saying, I'm going to believe it. You know, I'm just going to choose to believe it. And the power of our faith is so incredible because God responds to faith. 
He does not respond to performance. He responds to our faith, our willingness to say, praise the Lord, I take, I believe that, I take that. I'm dead to sin, <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm dead to sin. That's, that's enough. Just say it and believe it. And say it long enough and believe it long enough and the Holy Spirit starts working. Something starts germinating in your inner man and all of a sudden, guess what? You're dead to sin. You don't, you don't sin much anymore. You still sin. You still make a mistake. But, you know, you, you hear what I'm saying? Sin no longer is master over you because you know who you are. Okay, second thing, continually receiving the supply of the life of Christ by practicing walking in the Spirit. The life of Christ is supplied to us by the Spirit. So we're fooling ourselves if we don't engage the Lord. I was thinking about this this morning. A lot of people's response to this type of practical teaching and say, you know, they say, man, I don't have time to practice the Christian life like you're talking about. That's like, I have to quit my job. I'm like, dude, that's, that's where you need revelation. Because, man, you can be Googling along. Whatever you do for Google, I don't know yet. You haven't told me something about cybersecurity. You can be Googling along and, and man, you can be, thank Jesus, I'm dead to sin. You know, you can engage the Lord in the process of what he's doing in your life at any moment, doing anything you're doing. Now, I know you need to focus, you know, like, like don't sign the contract on the house, you know, and be daydreaming about what the, and not notice the numbers and sign the wrong contracts, you know. So I'm, I'm saying you got to be practical at times, but like you can engage the Lord all the time. Just, you know, I mean, and we just forget to. But if we will intentionally receive the supply that the Lord's providing for us at every given moment, it's there, and we just receive it. And we just acknowledge it. And it can be little, little prayers, little thoughts, little whatever the Holy Spirit does to stimulate that in our lives, to be led by the Spirit, to engage the Lord and walk by the Spirit. It's just so life-giving. And then last is just recognizing that it's the Father's goal if you can put it that way. It's his desire to move us into maturity. Like that, he loves doing that. And, and there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's never any judgment of the Lord upon our lives in that stage that we're in. He just wants us to move deeper into his character, more into his nature, fuller into his love. This is those apostolic prayers, that's why I love reading them because that's all Paul prays. Paul does not pray, I pray the Lord will help you understand that you're going to do great and mighty things and that you're going to be a world changer and that I'm going to heal your mom and you're going to be delivered and you're going to have all the financial success. No, he never prays that. He prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart shall be open that you'll be able to see the riches of his glory, the depths of his love, the power that's working within you, who you are in him. That's what I need my heart to be awakened to because when I see that stuff, it, it, empowers me. It is the, the mighty power that works within me that he brought about through the resurrection of the dead. So it's a lifetime of him lovingly showing us how much we're not like him. I mean, it's one thing for your wife to show you how much you're not like him. <laughs> And wives are really, you know, people joke about the character of God, the Trinity, you know, 
men are like the Father and wives are like the Holy Spirit or whatever, you know. Wives are really good Holy Spirits. I'm joking. But they do have a lot of discernment and a lot of insight, but it, it just doesn't really work well for them to tell us how much we're not like Jesus. They see it, you know. And, I, you know, we have some Holy Spirit too, bro. We can see our wives, you know. But that's not our job. It doesn't work that way. No. It's the, it's, the, it's the Lord's job to lovingly show us where He wants to take us, from where to where, you know. And, and to bring us to a place, you know, Jesus, Jesus never had to act like the Son of God. <laughs> you, think, you think Jesus said, okay, hey, wait a minute, right now I need to, okay, I'm the Son of God, I need to act like it. No. He just naturally, he just, he just was because he knew who he was. Even in his humanity, which I have a high view of the humanity of God, but he lived in that place of total dependence to where it just came natural. And that's where he wants to take us. So our mind should not go, you know, I joke and I'm blessed. Kirk said he read my book recently. I'm really humbled and I'm thankful, but I talk about it in my book. You know, the WWJD bracelets, they're, they're great. It's a reminder, okay, hey, bro, I'm, I'm disappointed in the way you taught me, you know, talk to me, and I, I'm telling you, and you say, well, WW, wait, wait, wait. And then you're supposed to go, wait a minute, what would Jesus do right here in relationship with Dane? Would Jesus talk like this to him? Would Jesus get angry? And so we, then we have to back up and say, okay, thanks for the reminder, Lord. And we go pray and say, okay, I've got to talk to Dane. Okay, okay, Dane. And now we're ready. We're prepared, right? But what about getting to the place when that thing happens, boom, boom, it just flows out. I say, hey, bro, thanks for sharing that. Can you share with me more what you're feeling? Let's talk about that. You know, whatever. It just, you don't have to go back. You don't have to go get your game plan, figure out what Jesus would do. You, God just wants Jesus to be there and flowing out of us naturally. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where he's moving us. That's, that's maturity. That's the full stature that's the measure. But it, it all comes from him because he's our fullness. And we have received of his fullness. We read the scripture. That's why I read the scripture so we could hear it. Because a lot of times we don't feel like it. We don't feel full. We don't feel like we're walking in that fullness. But we are. It's there. And our decision to engage it and to believe it and to allow it to transform us is the key that unlocks it. And then all things flow out of that. That's why it's called fruit, because it grows, it bears freely off of a tree that is rightly planted in the Lord. It's not works. Amen? So that's what I wanted to share.